We've been looking through uh, the blueprint for Faith Bible Church. We uh, are going to look at actually the uh, fourth essential today, specifically. The, our Faith Bible is a church displaying the glory of God by making disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The purpose of, a, of the vision statement is where we want to go, what do we want to be. So this gives us a goal. This is, gives us as, as, a, as looking forward for what, what do we want to be, which is, again, individual. There's an individual responsibility that goes along with it. The three key elements we talked about was intent or intentional, uh, relational, and discipleship. Uh, these three keys, as we look at the different essentials come f- to place, these three keys are involved when we plan things. Uh, for instance, we got the beach fellowship coming up here in November. Well, what's, that, what's the purpose of that? For fellowship, for you time, time to get a place away from church, to get together and uh, spend a time together, time to visit, time to encourage each other. It's on purpose for purpose. Uh, it's relational because we, in, in I think that Mitch had prayed or had talked about the faith, faith groups. Well, let's to encourage one another. This is very relational and uh, certainly need to be working on this area. And discipleship, a learner, a follower, sent one. You would be surprised how much uh, discipleship takes place sometimes in that private conversation, that one-on-one conversation, that, that individual quiet time, so to speak, there with a person, uh, even though you may be in a group. So on purpose, for purpose. The five essentials, again, we said, as I said last week, these essentials, whether we meet in a building or not, whether we change, in other words, locations, or we change personnel, or we change programs, the point is these essentials should stay the same. They will always be the same. These are the things that helps us, will help us accomplish our vision. The first, of course, is truth, proclaim truth. The second is we talk about relationships. This is love God and love others. The third is worship. This is to, of course, adore, adore Christ we talked about last week. And today I want to look at equipping. Philippians 3, you can turn that passage first of all, Philippians 3. Equipping. This is growing and serving by equipping every member mutually build up one another. Growing and serving. Growing and serving by equipping every member to mutually build up one another. I want to particularly look at the, the areas here of growing and serving and how that is, how that is helpful towards, of course, building up uh, one another. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 16. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press forward the goal, or press toward the goal, for the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Two things that I want to talk about. First of all, the ingredients for spiritual growth. And I'm going to talk about the evidence. What What are the ingredients for spiritual growth? Or is for me to grow spiritually, and when we talk about spiritual growth, we're talking about to become like Christ. For me to become more like Christ, what is it going to take? 
Well, first of all, there's, there, it begins with a personal dissatisfaction. Are you willing to put yourself under the microscope? Are you willing not, not, to, put them, not to put yourself under my microscope? To put yourself under your microscope, under the microscope of the Holy Spirit, under the microscope of the Word of God, are you willing to look at your life and ask the question, where am I at spiritually? As we'll see from this passage, Paul knows where he's at. In other words, the point is this. You can know where you're at spiritually. Where are you at spiritually? It must must start with a certain degree of dissatisfaction with yourself. As Paul says there, he says, I've not attained. I, 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 I... I I need to take ownership of this. He says, I'm not perfected. In other words, I'm not complete. And I think Apostle Paul, this is a prison epistle, by the way. Uh, Not long after this, Paul is going to be executed. He's at basically towards the end or at the end of his ministry. And we think of all that he has accomplished, who he represents, and what he has done in church planning and discipleship. And yet here he's sitting and saying, I have not, I am not perfected. I'm not completed yet. I've had uh, 13, 13 years of education after high school. I have 37 years of pastoral or practical service experience. It means nothing. It means nothing. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much schooling you have, how much ministry or service you've been involved in. You and I both have to sit down under the microscope of God's word, under the convicting and and ministry of the Holy Spirit, and examine ourselves. Even as it tells us there in 1 Corinthians when we celebrate communion, it says if if we would examine ourselves, we would not, or judge ourselves, we would not have to be judged. There has to to be a certain point of dissatisfaction and realize, you know what, I haven't reached it yet. I'm not there. I'm closer than I was last year. But I still have a long way to go. So there must be a personal dissatisfaction, not apprehended, to possess. You take ownership, to be complete, to possess. It begins there with personal dissatisfaction. It's followed by a personal determination. There in verse 13. A personal determination, verse 13 actually, in verse 14. It's, a, it's an all unaltered plan. He says, this one thing I do. What one thing? This one thing I do. I want to be like Christ. This one thing I do. I want to be like Christ. Listen, do you, do you really want to be like Christ? Do you really want to be like Christ? This one thing I do. I was thinking again of the illustration of the Echoffs. They have all these things going on with their family and their training. And then the individual who they planted the seed to, who indeed planted the seed and shared it with someone else. They have all these things going on. You have a lot of things going on in your life too, don't you? But this one thing, this one thing, an unaltered plan to be like Christ. Don't lose your focus on the goal. Secondly, forgetting those things behind, that, uh, that undivided purpose. That's, it's just interesting when it talks about that, forgetting those things which are behind. It's not a mental obliteration of the past. Although may, we may wish we could erase bad memories, the reality is that no mature person can forget 
what has happened in their past. But it is no longer being influenced, affected, controlled by the past. You won't forget the past, the past but, the, but remember this, the past is past. Undivided purpose, to be like Christ. Failures, sin, heartaches, discouragements, the successes, accomplishments, awards. Forgetting those things which are behind. Because oftentimes if we ride on the past, that mountaintop experience, and not thinking, you know what, it didn't matter on the mountaintop or in the valley, I need to be like Christ. Unswerving progress. He says, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. One translation says, it, eagerly straining forward to what lies ahead. It's the fluid motion of that runner who glides along. Watching some of the football games here the last few weeks, particularly yesterday, was there's one pass that was caught by this receiver. And you could see as he, he, as he was running, the distance between him and the, and the defender got further and further and further. And I'm thinking in my mind, how can a guy possibly run that fast? Unwavering progress. To be like Christ. I'm reaching forward to be like Christ. Listen, you don't want to be like me. I don't want to be like you. But we both need to be and want to be like Christ. An unwavering purpose. Reaching forward. An unyielding persistence there in verse 14. I press toward the goal. Two things. Intensity. I press forward. You're a mile from home. You've already ridden your bike five miles. You have a choice to get off and walk, get off and phone your wife, or press on. Well, you don't want to call your wife because that's too embarrassing. It would take you longer to walk, so you might as well press on. Listen, you're going to become weary. You may even be discouraged even at this point in time, but press on. There's an intensity, an unyielding persistence. Intensity, incentive, the goal, the prize, to be like Christ. To be like Christ. And he concludes with a personal discipline there in verse 13, or verse 15 and 16, I'm sorry. He says, there's concentration, there's focus. Therefore, have this mind. There's an attitude, a mindset. One of the primary differences between how an athlete of equal physical stature can overcome an athlete who has equal physical stature usually comes down to mental toughness. Concentration. Therefore, have this mind. Be mentally strong. How, by the way, how can you be mentally strong? How can you increase your mental strength? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable on God. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How can you renew your mind? How can you get mental strength, mental toughness? Absolutely. Absolutely. Be in God's Word. Hey, you want to be like Christ? Here it is. There's no substitute. 
Can't do it for you. Can't do it for me. Concentration. And nevertheless, walk by the same rule. There's commitment to giving all and leaving it all there on the field. That commitment. There's personal discipline. There's personal determination that are necessary for you to grow, to mature in your faith, to be like Christ. Now turn with me over to Ephesians. There we go. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, again, verse 12 through 14. I'm going to begin in verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together, by that every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The evidence, we saw the ingredients, now the evidence of spiritual growth. These are things that as we look at, that uh, we can, uh, now I'm not looking at your life. Look at our own life and see, okay, am I growing or not? How am I growing? And, and these, there's two key words that keep coming up here uh, is to equip and to edify. Equip is perfect to complete. In medicine, it's setting the bone. In politics, it's bringing opposing sides together. In fishing, it's mending the nets. Spiritually speaking, it's to lead the believer from sin to a life of obedience. Equip, perfect, complete, from a life of sin to a life of obedience. To edify means to build or to prepare. Construction, to build a house. Parenting, to train your children. Spiritually, not just know the truth, but to live the truth. Not just to know the truth, but to live the truth. To build, prepare, to equip, to edify. The evidence of spiritual of spiritual growth is look at these uh, two areas. So, what are the evidence of spiritual growth? Well, first of all, service. Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. The word there, ministry, is, is diakonia, service. And it's a little interesting because the main idea behind this word is practical service. So evidence of spiritual growth is serving. Now, let's ask the question, are you serving? So, well, well, like what? Well, you know, these are, these are really helpful areas of service. Readers. So, well, that's, that's this, there's, there's not really that. And, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't understand or believe how important that is for visitors when they come in to be greeted immediately at the door. It's a very important place of service. Good News Club. You know, Pastor Phil heads it up. We have some adults and the teens. He's trained and working that. That's an area of service. We still need some adults, by the way, to help out in that, in that ministry. But the Good News Club. Remember when we talk about intentional relationships or relational and discipleship? Good News Club fits all three. 
Vacation Bible School. Vacation Bible School is a short-term commitment. But what an impact. What an impact. You're sowing seeds in those young lives. The nursery. Nobody sees me. It's service. And listen, by the way, you can't do all these things. And, and, and yes, it's true. In most churches, 10% of the people do 90% of the work. I don't know that that's true here, but I see a lot of the people doing, a lot of people serving in different areas. The same people serving many times in different areas. Faith Cares, the Immokley Ministry. Lori and Ryan had that up. Meal preparation for those who are shut in or ill. Phone calls, cards, providing transportation for those who need it. Those are all areas of service. And a servant really doesn't want to be recognized. They just want to serve. One of the evidences of spiritual growth that I'm growing in my, and spiritually speaking, is I'm going to be willing to serve. I want to serve. I'll find a place. I, for instance, Sunday school teachers and uh, those who teach on Wednesday night, I, you would, listen, unless you've ever, if you've never done that, you have no idea the time and effort it takes in preparation to deliver that 30-minute, that 40-minute, that 50-minute lesson. And those teachers who faithfully pray for their children and their students through the week, that's an incredible area of service, a very important area of service. Mitch mentioned this morning faith groups. That is no small task. Can you imagine having people, strangers you don't know, coming into your home? That's a service. That's a tremendous service and good for ministry. Good for relationships, good for fellowship. Spiritual maturity in verse 13, not to be a perfect man like Christ, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. To be a perfect man like Christ, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. To be a perfect man, spiritually mature, perfect is telois, mature, complete, full grown. We learn from chapter, Philippians chapter 3 verse 12, that not that I have already attained or already perfected, Spiritual maturity is not an absolute. You know if you're spiritual or not. Philippians 3.15, reaching forward to things ahead. Spiritual maturity is a process. It's a, it's a process of growth. So spiritually mature, basically saying this, listen, I know I'm growing, or I know I'm not growing. Or I know that I'm growing in this area, but I know I still struggle in this area. Do you realize that's spiritual maturity, to be able to evaluate yourself like that and say, listen, I, I am doing this. I need to grow more in this area. That's part of spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is knowing and seeking and trying to grow. To recognize the fact I have grown and I need to grow. That is spiritually being spiritually mature. That is putting yourself under the microscope and taking a real good look. Stability. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. The word tossed there means to be mentally, spiritually agitated. I always think of uh, growing up, we had the old washing machine. In the center of the old washing machine was the agitator. It would switch back and forth. It would agitate the clothes, work the soap into the, into the, into the clothes, and then you'd rinse them out and wring them out, and you'd em- empty the, uh, the container that the agitator was in. That we should no longer be children agitated to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Carried is a word to be insert, to go in circles. Stability. I don't, I don't have a, that knee-jerk reaction. We have 
more patience with ourselves than we do to fellow believers. Often we treat people who are not part of our family better than we do people that are in our family. Often we treat people who are unbelievers better and kinder than we treat people who are believers. Stability. We need to have a semblance of stability in our, in our, in our maturing and becoming more and more like Christ. In our speech, our loving to uh, speak the truth with love, that loving speech. Truth, this is a great statement, truth without love is brutality. It doesn't mean that it's not true, but sometimes it's a little brutal to be forcing that on someone. But love without the truth is hypocrisy. Oh, I'm so loving. I just love you. Did you tell them the truth? You're a hypocrite. Truth. Love without truth is hypocrisy. How can you say you love your neighbor but you never shared Christ with them? That's hypocrisy. Speech. To speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. Selfless. Verse 16. According to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for edifying itself in love. In other words, to build, to prepare itself in love. Mutually building up one another. You, every part, is understood. Growth is a purpose, on purpose, for a purpose. Selfless. The evidence of spiritual growth is service, spiritual maturity, stability, speech, and selfless. As we continue to grow and mature in our faith, as we seek to equip, as we seek to grow and serve by equipping every member to the mutual building of one another, it begins, it begins right here. You draw the circle, you step in the circle, it starts right in that circle. Let me close with this question. How are you intentionally growing and serving one another? Let's ask a question. How are you intentionally growing and serving one another? As we grow and mature as a church, it's looking out. You have a responsibility, a personal responsibility to grow, but that growth is to be looking out, to give out, to serve one another. I appreciate it this morning we in our testimonies and, and uh, sharing the praise and prayer requests there in the uh, Dr. McCune's class of uh, those testimonies who they mentioned they were encouraged. Phone calls, notes, cards. Encourage one another. That's part of spiritual growth. That's part of equipping, growing, and serving one another. Let's all stand for prayer. Father, I pray as we come to you, we even as we've been looking through the scriptures this morning, we, you can't, I cannot help, and I hope that others here cannot help, but realize how, how short we truly fall on a daily basis. And yet, Lord, you continue to extend your patience towards us. You extend, uh, continually to ha- uh, have the wor- Spirit of God work in us and on us. You continue to draw scriptures to our heart and to our mind, whether it be something that's read or something that we've uh, memorized. Oh, God, I pray that as a church as individuals, we may walk with you on a daily basis that we'll be coming more and more like you.
to look forward to that day in which we can be with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.